Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports powered today as you know by overtime media i'm your host chad jensen with me reunited once again is none yes. other than your denver broncos reporter for 24 7 sports zach kelberman zach i know my dog you were having freaking withdrawals as soon as you hopped on that plane back home i did you know i had a head back early you stayed a couple more days than i did but i had a, a blast it was so much fun being at the combine chat we made a great team there we put out a lot of content a lot of good stuff for the broncos a lot of news that came out i do kick myself for having to come back a little early but i know we're gonna kill it next year i cannot wait to be back so much fun i mean at first for those of you i mean like zach and i we cover the team remotely and you know, you think, oh, when you first get there, you and I've been to NFL events before, so it wasn't my first rodeo. But still, when you get there and you're walking right next to, you know, Steve Atwater and, you know, you're walking, John Elway passes by or within arm's distance is, you know, Adam Schefter, etc. For a second, you kind of have to pinch yourself. There's like this tone of unreality, you know what I mean, where you're mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, what the hell's going on? Oh, yeah, this is rad. And pretty soon, though, remember we had a conversation just walking down, heading back yep. to the media room. We're like, now you're not – You're. I mean, Ian Rappaport walks by, you're not even phased, or this player, or that prospect, or this Hall of Famer, or Mike Munchak's in the hall, and there's Chris <laughs> Cooper, and you're like, you know, whatevs, right? I got a job to do. Yeah, inside, you know, internally, you're fangirling hard the first day. But the right. second day, you're working hard, you're trying to get the story, you're typing away. It becomes old hat. It becomes second nature. Okay, there's Adam Schefter, there's Rappaport. Okay, I got to write about the Broncos right now. So it's it's awesome being – It's it's. I look at it like Disneyland for NFL nerds, yeah. you know, and yeah. I definitely am. And just being a part of it, it was truly a blessing. You should have seen my dude when uh, Pete Carroll was at the podium. <laughs> He's probably about oh. halfway through his presser, and, and all of a sudden I hear – uh, hey, Pete, Pete, yeah, uh, what was the logic behind signing Paxton Lynch? <laughs> he hates me now. He, Carol, forever hates me. I pissed him off so bad by asking, why would you sign Paxton Lynch? Yeah. Why would you bring on a bus? But, yeah, that, that was a good time. I, so, I think uh, I wrote him the wrong way on that. I, I would say for, for those listening, just go. I'm sure you can find it on Twitter or YouTube somewhere. There's probably a full – or even the Seahawks team website – Go find Pete Carroll's full 10 or 15 minutes he did at the podium <laughs> and wait for that question and just watch his tonality and body language when he responds to Zach's question because Zach irritated him and his response was, what, what do you think he said he, off the top of the hat? He's tall. He openly asked me, have you seen him play? And I'm like, yeah, I covered him. I'm like, yeah, I've seen him play. He's pretty bad. He's tall and he has a strong arm. What else can he bring to the table? It was PTSD in the truest sense yep. for me. But you actually had some some really good questions for the – a few different GMs, even John Lynch, you were the guy that asked, hey, John, you willing mm-hmm. to uh, deal the number two overall pick? 
I'm surprised that question didn't come up, honestly, because he's so active in the, in the trade market and in the draft. And yeah, in the Broncos, uh, with Elway, you never know. And I wanted to gauge his interest. And he said to me, why are you interested? He said he's always open. So I thought that was pretty interesting, too. Yeah, he's he's a neat guy, like very engaging, yeah, sure. you know, very warm. Doesn't, it, I think it takes he's, – he's the type of guy that can flip a switch, you know, on the field. He was a beast. Uh, physical, dominating, freaking intimidating, strong safety. But like – in real life, John Lynch is the type of guy I think you would have to try really hard to piss him off. Yeah, he's a consummate professional, super nice guy, uh, affable, open, you know, forthcoming. I had a, a lot of fun just watching his press conference and, and gleaning some insight from him. Yeah, so it was a fun, fun experience. And as Zach said, I mean, we worked our butts off to bring you guys everything. I mean, even once Zach left, I mean, the day, the last day Zach was there, I think it was Thursday, we were talking to the offensive tackles and guards and the, the OL, and we were asking every chance we got, have you talked to the Broncos? Running backs. Yes. How did that go? And that thread, that trend continued. And one thing I learned, Zach, and then I don't want to make this another combine recap because I think it's, as we've talked about off air, we've pretty much mined that, that ground, but one thing I learned, Zach, on I think it was Friday. No, it was Saturday. They brought out the off-ball linebackers. Every off-ball linebacker I talked to, with the exception of one, when I asked them, have you met with or talked to the Broncos, that either had an informal or formal meeting with the Broncos, everyone I asked except Devin Bush of Michigan. Yeah, that's the same thing I actually wrote about the offensive lineman that I talked to on, on Thursday. Every single one I surveyed, almost every single one, either met with the Broncos or will meet the, will meet with the Broncos formally or informally. Um, and it's just the Broncos are targeting those positions of need. We all know the front seven, inside linebacker, defensive line, getting rid of Brandon Marshall, Domitop Pecco. We all know the offensive line woes. I mean, they're not hiding their intentions and they're not hiding their, their holes. And even John Elway said and Fangio said, we have a lot of holes to fill. A lot of picks to do it, and they're not going to settle. They're not going to reach. They're going to take the best player available, and they're going to be able to fill those needs in the draft. So that's why they're kind of casting a wide net. And I thought it was interesting, too, that they're really um, surveying everyone. They're not limiting their search at all. They're keeping all their options open. And the other thread before we move on and get to the main topics of today's podcast that I found, especially when talking to defensive prospects, especially the linebackers, when I would ask them, so let me ask you this. When you were talking to the Broncos in that meeting, whether it was in, whether they had told me it was informal or formal, and I said, when you were in that meeting, what was it that the Broncos seemed to be the most keen on learning about you? Like, what, was, what did it feel like was on their mind the most? And without fail, each and every one of them asked me if, or told me that it had something to do with them, with the Broncos wanting to know, trying to deduce their football IQ by certain lines of question or literally getting them on the whiteboard, having them watch their own film from college to break down and explain what happened on this play or what was this scheme, what was your responsibility, what was the coverage, and then doing the same where they would show Broncos film to a, to a prospect like Cody Barton, the linebacker from Utah, and say, what do you see here, da-da-da-da-da, to really test the acumen of these guys between the years. 
Yeah, Chad, another thing I noticed, too, talking to some of these these running backs and some of these linemen, is the Broncos coaching staff is already garnering more respect around the league and to college players than they did last year. I talked to Greg Little, the tackle from Ole Miss. I asked him what it would be like to work for Mike Munchak or work under him, the most renowned OL coach in the business, a Hall of Famer. He said it would be an honor to play for him. It would be an honor to be drafted by the Broncos, a true blessing. I don't think last year he'd say the same about Sean Kugler and Chris Strausser. It's nice to see already the reputation around the league that Denver is on the up-and-coming path with Vic Fangio. They're doing it the right way. Uh, talking to some people, though, on these prospects, they're trending in the right direction. Yeah, definitely there's some gravitas now in the Mile High City at the coaching level, some real wherewithal. And I think we'll see that pay some dividends when free agency rolls around. But let's uh, let's talk real quick a few matters of business before we dive into today's main topics of discussion. You guys, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. You want to do that so that you can stay engaged and have your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. Just like today, before the pod, we threw out a quick Twitter call. Hey, Flash questions. You know, right now we're taking your Twitter questions. Usually we're taking them from VIP subscribers only on Friday. Every once in a while we'll throw them out on Twitter. If you want to be able to get in on those and just know what's going on with the show, you got to follow on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. Also, you guys have done a great job of helping us bump our numbers on iTunes in terms of the reviews and rating the show. Keep that going. If you have not done that and you're an iTunes listener, take some time. Leave a quick creative review of the show. Five-star rating. You have no idea how much you can help us grow and reach new listeners. All right, so let's get to the main crux. We're going to do a Twitter mailbag, second half of the show, segment number two. Segment number one, though, we want to dive into this kind of um, confusing report from Mike Kliss, and I'll explain in our conversation what I mean by confusing. But basically on Monday, Mike Kliss tweeted out that the Broncos are unlikely to take a quarterback with the number 10 overall pick. Now, this tweet, of course, comes on the heels just a couple days after he had reported that the Broncos did not meet formally with any of the big four quarterbacks at the Combine. That includes Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, and Daniel Jones. So most of the other quarterbacks I talked to on Friday had had met with or talked to the Broncos but none of them, the big four, had met with the Broncos on a formal basis. And that's not that in particular, Zach, wasn't that big a news because we know the Broncos had, had gotten an up-close look and met with and talked to Drew Locke and Daniel Jones at the Senior Bowl. But here's where it starts getting confusing is on Monday. So Kliss reports that the Broncos not expected to take a, a QB with number 10 pick. And then in response to someone else, I think a, a question he received on Twitter he responds that, oh, well, you know, the Broncos didn't meet with any of the big four at the Combine, but they'll probably bring in one or two for their 30-team visits, which is exactly what I said, Zach, when that report initially broke on Saturday. Yeah, I don't want to use this time to, like, dump on Mike list or anything. And no disrespect to him. It just was a weird way to put it. He cautioned not to read too much into it. The Broncos not uh, visiting with them and the fact they'll bring them in for private visits more than likely before the draft. And then he immediately read into it by suggesting the Broncos and Elway tipped his hand. So, you know, I don't I don't really think too much of it right now on March 4th, what's going to happen on April 25th. So much can and will change, and it's going to be how the board is going to shake out for the Broncos. Chad, one thing we talked about at the Combine, we learned the Broncos are strictly going BPA. They are not going to deviate from that. They're not going to reach. They're not going to settle. They have a lot of needs, including quarterback, and they're going to get a good player to address one of those needs. See, and that's where I I, I don't – you know, to use the deviate word – 
I don't think that's necessarily true because most teams, they say, yeah, we're going to go BPA. But when they're actually structuring their board, the way they value players is, is very much based on needs of the roster. So, in other words, if you have a franchise quarterback and the best player in the draft is, let's just say, Kyler Murray, if that's who you have rated as the best player, he's not going to be number one on your board. So, right. it's all, it, it's, you know, there's a lot of gray area there. And to me, what this smacked of, Zach, was Mike Kliss is a mouthpiece, okay, for the Denver Broncos. Let's, let's face it. And by that, I mean, if they want to put a trope or a storyline or a talking point out into the public arena so that it reaches. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All the teams, they use Mike Kliss. Occasionally, it's Nikki Jabala, uh, but mostly it's Mike Kliss. To me, this screams smokescreen. This is the Denver Broncos trying to telegraph that, hey, we are out of the quarterback business this year, you guys. So, you know, don't, uh, don't feel like you need to jump up ahead of us in the draft to grab that quarterback. They're trying to create the, pers- the, the, the perspective or the backdrop that, Teams don't have to to freak out and try and move and get in front of them so that the quarterback they do want falls to them. I put some feelers out there and talked to some people today on this because I was like, this this is fishy. And what I got back is, and I talked about this, Zach, on one of the solo podcasts I did, but John Elway traditionally as a GM, he's been a very transparent guy. In other words, the NFL mostly knows what he's going to do in round one in January. Like it's pretty well known. I mean, you can even go back to 2016. It was known in January that the Broncos were in on quarterback and then not long after that Paxton Lynch was high on their on their board. So this time around, what I've been told today is that the Broncos are trying to be a little more sleuth in their approach because, once again, they're in the top 10. And this time around, they don't want to miss out on the guy that they want. That's Another guy also told me, it's basically confirmed the same thing, but also said that, while Kliss isn't necessarily right that the Broncos are unlikely to draft a quarterback with pick 10, one thing that they are confident in is that the Broncos won't trade up to draft a quarterback. So that's why all this these talking points are coming out now is because they are intent on staying at pick 10, Zach. And what they're hoping is by putting it out there that they're out of the quarterback business in the draft at the top 10, that it'll allow one of the guys they like to fall to them. Yeah, I, you know, I agree in the sense that it, it does smack of a smokescreen, but just as that the report that Elway is enamored by Drew Locke, that was a smokescreen too. It seems like they're trying to balance out their intentions here. What I meant by deviate was they're going to have their big board. They're sitting at number 10. I think it'll play out like last year where, they, yeah, they can want a quarterback, but if they don't get one, they're going to still pick the next player on their board just as right, Bradley Chubb right. fell into their lap. So they can want Drew Locke, they can want Haskins, but at number 10, if they're not available and Devin White is – I don't think they're going to shed any tears. They're going to take the linebacker and fill a major need there. So I don't see Elway. What I, my impression was he can win with Flacco. They want to build around him. But they're not going to reach. They're not going to trade the farm for anyone in this class. Right. And his comments on 2020 kind of led me to believe he wants to let you know Justin Herbert that play out there. So I just think p- quarterback obviously for sure is prioritized. It's number one. But they have other needs too, and they're going to address those. 
Yeah, and that's where I'll 100% agree with you is that, I mean, we don't even have to read between the lines. Fangio just came out and said BPA, you know, the way our roster is structured now, we we have enough needs in enough places that really what we need is playmakers. So we're, we're going to take best player available regardless is what he's basically trying to convey, even though there is some gray area there, as we've already touched on. And then Elway talking about, you know, yeah, the 20, because the, the thing you got to remember is the way that question, we were there. That the way that question was posed to Elway was, "Hey, John, you know, there's been a lot of in the media, you know, perception and talking points that the 2020 quarterback class is the bee's knees, basically, and that 2019 is is nothing to be, you know, really, you know, there's not that much there in 2019. Right. What are your thoughts on that?" And so his answer was through that scope, where he's saying that, "Yeah, you know, I can understand why a lot of people are in on 2020." And to paraphrase him, we think there's still some good players in 2019. Now. I'll be the first one to admit that I want the Denver Broncos to get a quarterback at pick 10. I'm pretty well on record at this point that I think it'll be a massive mistake for them to go into back-to-back seasons with top 10 picks and not and and also a massive need of quarterback and not come out with their franchise player of the future. I think it will be it could be a massive monumental mistake and a significant mar on John Elway's front office resume and might even hurt his legacy as a front office guy. That's how worried I am about that. I think they need to go quarterback at pick 10, but not on a quarterback that they don't like. So this all goes right. back to the whole smokescreen thing and your whole and your point about BPA and not reaching is I think it's all about Drew Locke in the top 10, to be frank with you, or Dwayne Haskins. If not, if Dwayne Haskins is probably going top five, though. So it's really about doing what they can to maneuver in the media to try and, and you know grease the rails so that Locke is there at pick 10. Now, if Locke's gone at pick 10, that probably means you had three quarterbacks go in the top nine. Murray, Haskins, Locke, which means there's a good chance you're going to get a blue-chip defensive player at pick 10, whether it's Devin White, who it sounds like is not going to get past Tampa Bay at five, but where the Devin White, Ed Oliver, there's a chance he could slip. Quinnen Williams is, you know, considered to be one of the top prospects, but you also have Nick Bosa in there. I'm not saying Nick Bosa is going to drop, but there's Jonah Williams. This, Jonah Williams is there. There's there's this massive kind of logjam at the top, and what governs it year after year is the demand and need for quarterback. So that's why the Broncos are trying to kind of play it, play the long game this time and not be as transparent with what their needs are. Because think about it. last year they telegraphed that they wanted a quarterback. I mean, they only they only had two that they had their eye on. That was Darnold and Mayfield. I mean, they were so obvious that they wanted quarterback. I mean, look at their team headquarter visits. They specifically requested Allen and Baker Mayfield on their team at the Senior Bowl. And if that doesn't telegraph exactly what they're thinking or what's on their mind, I don't know what else will. But when both were gone, Elway tested the waters, and it was too rich for his blood to trade up to get into position to to grab Darnold. So he let me, you know, there was no shot at Mayfield, but he, he could have mortgaged the farm for Darnold. I'm kind of glad he didn't, to be honest with you at this point, because um, I'm not huge on Darnold. But yeah. at that point, Bradley Chubb was there, so they took him because, and I don't know, maybe that'll be a mistake because to me, Josh Rosen was my number two quarterback that year, and now it seems like even the Arizona Cardinals don't want him. 
Uh, it's beyond obvious that L.A. was smitten, truly smitten by Baker Mayfield. He wanted him badly last year. Yeah. Obviously, he would have been a franchise quarterback, but it shows how stubborn Elway is, especially as a GM. It's He has final say, of course, and he sticks to his guns, and that's why I'm saying if he doesn't think Locke or Haskins or whoever's available is a franchise quarterback, he will wait until 2020 and take another player, another blue chipper, as you said, to fill another need. And the quarterbacks in the top 10, it kind of adds you know a little credence to my point. It, you're, it's going to push those good players down more. If you go three quarterbacks right. in the top 10, there's a better chance. You know, oh, yeah. Baker's going to fall. Jonah Williams is going to fall. Uh, Devin White's going to fall. And I'll tell you, if Elway is not absolutely sold on Drew Locke, I'm not going to cry if they end up with Devin White. That's just me, though. Yeah, and it's understandable. I watched uh, – I finally got a chance because one thing that, that listeners might not realize and people watching the Combine on NFL Network is we're in a completely different building covering the podiums and the interviews. So Zach and I are literally across the street from Lucas Oil Stadium where they're actually doing the on-field drills and where the quarterbacks are throwing and all that stuff. So we don't even get a glimpse of what's happening over there with the drills and the 40s and the throwing and all that stuff until we get back up to the media room and we can watch NFL Network just like you guys. (laughs) And so I didn't get a chance to even watch the on-field drills. I saw some of the buzz on Twitter, but I watched Drew Locke. I watched Dwayne Haskins. Drew Locke's arm, I'm telling you right now, and I I tweeted this at some point on Monday, that if you don't think that arm isn't something John Elway is coveting right now, I mean, the way that thing just flies out of his hand and the zip and the talent in that dude's right arm, I mean, you got another thing coming. And who knows? Maybe the Broncos do have designs on moving up, and maybe they are testing the waters on what it would take. But right now, they're playing the long game, Zach. They're playing, you know, 3D chess, so to speak, hoping that it can land them. Drew Locke. And then if he's not there, they're going to take that blue chip player and then look for a guy like, you know, Jarrett Stidham, look for a guy like Brett Rippon, someone like that day two, early day three. Yeah, Will Greer, another guy that they visited with at the Combine. Um, and that's what I'm saying. They're really going to stick to their guns, and I don't think they're going to force anything. For now are the operative words, because March 4th is a lot different than April 25th. There hasn't been pro days. There hasn't been private visits just yet. We don't know their true intentions. To take one report as gospel right now is stupid. It, it shouldn't be done. Even by so the mouthpiece. It, Right. Even by that's intentional. I think you're right. I tend to agree with you after thinking about it. It's more of a smokescreen, but there's going to be a lot more between now and April 25th. That's just draft season. It's what it's about. So be prepared, Broncos country. You're going to hear uh, the Broncos are interested in player A, player B, player C, all the way to Z. We won't know until draft day. Yeah. And for what it's worth, uh, we are planning on sending a correspondent to Missouri's Pro Day. On March 21st, Nick Kendall, we're, we're hoping, we're expecting to be able to get in there credentialed for that. So we'll be reporting to you what type of presence the Broncos have at his pro day, where it's a little bit more of a controlled and curated environment for the quarterback, especially throwing to receivers he already knows and has chemistry with in a, in a format that has been practiced and worked on by his, his staff there, his coaching staff and support base. So We'll hopefully have a little bit even more of an up-close look at what happens at at, at Drew Locke's Pro Day. But to me, it's Drew Locke or bust at pick 10. If Drew Locke's not there, you know, pick of the litter and then try and find the next best guy. Because the Broncos do, no matter what. Like, there's that trope, and I address this, I think, also, Zach, unfortunately, on one of the solo pods that came out of a a message on on the VIP forum, a comment someone made. That was like, look, you know, if you don't see a quarterback being a, a starter, you just don't take him. Which to me 
is not is absolutely not true. There are so many examples of quarterbacks being taken beyond round one, especially in the recent NFL, not so much in the deep history, but the recent history of the NFL. If you see franchise tools that are still kind of in potential and they're kind of in, in the rough, so to speak, but you see the tools are there, they need refinement. There are absolutely quarterbacks worth drafting that you bring in and you hopefully are able to team them up with the right coaching environment and the right scheme and get them to that point. Look at Jimmy Garoppolo. Look at Nick Foles. Look at Russell Wilson. There are a lot of examples. I mean, Tom Brady is is the outlier, right, because he was he's the GOAT and he was taken in, in the sixth round, et cetera, et cetera. But there are examples in today. And I'm not telling you necessarily that Jarrett Stidham is that guy or, or you know, Will Greer or – even later on, a guy like Eric Dungy. But those guys do have some of those franchise tools. And I know for a fact, Zach, I've been told by multiple people and picked up on it at the Combine, Rich Gangarello likes him some, Jarrett Stidham. So keep an eye on that. It, it, it's a great point you bring up, too, and that's exactly why the Broncos, and we talked about it before, that's why they hired Scangarello was to develop a young quarterback. And identify. And- Right, and and they're going to give him a lot of input into that decision, even though it's Elway's final call. And I I would agree that Locke is, the, I think, the clubhouse le- leader. If you held a gun to my head right now, I think, yeah, quarterback has to be number one, most important position. It's going to come down to how well he impresses in his interviews, how well he shows out in his pro days, what Elway sees, and if he can just seal the deal, and if he falls to 10. You know, those are all questions we won't know yet. But right now, I would tend to agree that Locke has to be kind of the leader. And to say they're unlikely is just a borderline, um, I don't even know, comical. Yeah. We still have a lot to get to. We're going to get to your questions in the Twitter mailbag, allow you to exercise some demons and, and unburden your soul. But first, we've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, so it's that time of the week where we take a peek inside the Mile High Mailbag because Zach and I are your football priests, and each and every week we're here to offer you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos question. And the first one here comes from Frankie Apodaca Apodaca on Twitter, at Frankie Apodaca1. Question is, having that production would be nice. Hold on a second here. All right, he's talking. He's trying to get our thoughts on Antonio Brown. He says, <clears throat> having that production of Antonio Brown would be nice, but I don't think adding a diva to the locker room is a good idea, huddle up pod. A-B trade talks are heating up, three possible suitors emerging, and of course, Zach, I think you wrote about this on Monday that yep. Rappaport floated the Broncos. Everything we've been told by insiders and people we know close to the Broncos absolutely refute the idea that the Broncos are in on A-B. But what what are your thoughts here for Frankie? Rappaport is the only one beating this drum, and I have no idea why he's, he's doing it. I don't know why he's pushing this narrative, but the Broncos have no need for and no interest in inquiring Antonio Brown. And for the reason he just stated, he's a diva. He's 30. Um, his cap numbers the next three years are killers. $22 million, $18 million, $19 million. That's franchise quarterback money. The Broncos are paying that already to Joe Flacco, Keenum, and Von Miller. They just can't afford him right now. They're bringing back Emmanuel Sanders. It does not make sense. They're not one player away from competing. They're not an Antonio Brown away from competing. He would do more harm than good. He would sow more discontent in the locker room. Uh, they're transitioning. He wouldn't mesh with Vic Fangio. He's very old school. It's just uh, you know oil and, uh, oil and water. Here's one from Jeff Smith, a former colleague of ours. We've had him on the podcast, in fact. He says, uh, imagine if Elway, hypothetically, whiffed on two first-round quarterbacks in this short period of time. Mm -hmm. Brutal look. 
but kind of a necessary risk? Question mark. Your thoughts for Jeff. What's up, Jeff? I see you. Yeah, I, I, we talked about it a lot, Chad. The Broncos, two years in a row, they have two top 10 picks. They cannot come away in this draft, in both drafts, without a quarterback. And Elway has to get it right. That's the second part to it. He cannot whiff again. And he might be gunshot. He might be tentative. He has to get it right. His contract's expiring. You've talked about that a lot. Um, he knows the Broncos are at a crossroads. He's under the spotlight right now. And even more so after acquiring Joe Flacco. It's putting a band-aid over a bolt hole, to use your expression. Mm. He has to get it right. And his reputation is at stake. Everything's at stake here. So it would be brutal. And uh, we just have to see how it plays out. But you can't, you know, he's the one that stood up there and said, I'm going to keep swinging, right? Sometimes you swing. He has no choice. Sometimes you hit. He's got to find the guy. And who knows? Maybe there's a shot that maybe they really have talked themselves into believing that Joe Flacco is the guy. But even if they're 100% sold on that notion, okay, he's 34 and you have a top 10 pick. And he's only under contract for three more years. So you need that next guy. And I guess at that point, if your belief is that Flacco gives you the opportunity to compete for Super Bowls now, if that's your belief, then it comes down to where you evaluate your need in terms of the long-term guy. Because when the Broncos had Peyton Manning, they, they were able to land him in March of 2012. They had a franchise quarterback, and they still had a need after dealing Tim Tebow for a groomed, you know, long-term with franchise upside type guy to groom behind Pey- uh, Peyton Manning. So they ended up taking, not in the first round, they waited, went into round two and took Brock Osweiler. They probably should have waited till round three or at that pick 12 taking Russell Wilson. Who knows what future, how that would have changed the future. But my point being as it relates to this is that if Flacco makes them believe that they can compete now and they have a franchise guy, that doesn't eliminate the need for a long-term quarterback. It's just a matter of, Zach, where is that priority in terms of your draft? Is it worth still taking a top-10 pick if the guy is there? Or do you are you so confident in Flacco that you roll the dice and take a Jarrett Stidham or a Will Greer or a you know, Brett Rippon day two? And you know, that's I came away from the combine thinking just that, that they can compete with Joe Flacco. I wrote about that numerous times. That's the impression Elway gave to me. I just want to know, where is that belief based on? He's 34. He's coming off an injury. He got Wally Pitt by a rookie who the team wouldn't even th- throw with. I mean, they literally wouldn't throw the ball with this guy who replaced Joe Flacco. This is not the Super Bowl MVP Joe Flacco. This is a... Rotting off in the sunset, a twilight Joe Flacco, you know, so I don't know why Elway thinks if he does, he can win with him. This is a placeholder. It's a band-aid in the truest sense. The only way the Flacco acquisition makes sense is if they do the the Browns method where they have a veteran and they have the rookie on waiting in the wings. And all it takes is one bad play or one injury and that rookie takes over. But if they come away with this draft with, you know, Brett Rippon, a fifth, you know, a fourth mid-round pick. And Joe Flacco, it's not going to inspire much confidence in the future. Let's move on here to the next question here from Drew, excuse me, from Ian Darbs Jr. at Mango and Rice on Twitter. With the combine over, I think the Broncos will sit at pick 10, meaning won't trade up. I feel we should take Devin White or Greedy Williams at 10. The other top corners didn't test well, which I also have learned since I talked to Nick Kendall today and he let me know. No one really jumped out during the testing. So Ian says, unless Ed Oliver or DK Metcalf falls to 10, he wants Devin White or Greedy Williams. What are your thoughts on this? There are plenty of later round quarterbacks. Zach? 
Uh, first of all, Vic Fangio said himself that tackling is non-negotiable, so that kind of rules out Greedy Williams, who's not a great tackler. Very fast, good ball skills, but uh, DeAndre Baker is a much better cornerback prospect. I would not take Metcalf in the first round. You invested second and fourth round picks last year. You have Emmanuel Sanders coming back, bigger needs. It's going to come down to me, quarterback, corner, or Devin White pretty much. I mean, or maybe Jonah Williams in an off chance, but Devin White, the guy is a freak. I mean, he absolutely crushed the combine. Fills a huge need. I mean, to pair him up with Vic Fangio, Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, um, that's pretty scary to think about. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel on that. I One thing I'll say for sure is I wouldn't want the Broncos to use the 10th pick on DK Metcalf. Right. Uh, they're pretty well set, and I understand that he could be, you know, who knows? He might be the next Megatron for all we know. But it's one of those things where the Broncos have bigger fish to fry than taking a wide receiver with the, the 10th pick. So to me, at that point, you know, I'm still hoping for Drew Locke slipping to 10. But if he, let's just say he's off the board, then I'm hoping that also meant that Ed Oliver or Devin White slipped. If I can get one of those two guys, I'm stoked. Yep. Uh, DeAndre Baker is probably, after the testing and everything, you know, guys, the NFL are going back over his tape because all of their tape, because no one really tested off the charts like you wanted to see from some of these top-rated corners. So the NFL right now is going back through the reevaluation process on some of these guys' tape. But I would think uh, maybe even Devin Bush. That might be quite a bit mm-hmm. higher. He's, he's a yeah. round one linebacker. But if White's gone and Oliver's gone too, and so is Locke, I think I'd rather have Devin Bush there than I would even Jonah Williams, even though maybe the value long-term would be better for, for Jonah Williams. But, yeah, and, you know, you're right, though, Ian. There are plenty of other, you know, intriguing, toolsy quarterbacks to be had later on in the draft if you miss out on on a dra- uh, on Drew Locke, for example, in the in the top ten. And, yeah, and, and Bush, to me, I wouldn't really take him at 10. That's a little too early for me. Maybe trade back a few spots. Then you open up yourself to taking a lineman, maybe uh, Dalton Reisner. Uh, Jonah Williams not going to fall that far. Maybe Greg Little, if he tests well or shows well on uh, his interviews. The Broncos can go in so many different directions, and that's why I think Elway is not going to mortgage the future. He's going to stay put. Maybe at the most, if he absolutely falls in love with anyone, he will go up a few spots, kick up a fourth or third round pick. But to sell the farm in this class when they have so many needs and pretty much guarantee to get one of the guys we mentioned, Chad, yeah. I mean, I just think they're sitting pretty pretty. Yeah. The one corner I've been told, you know, that's that's amongst the top, let's say, five at the position is the kid from Washington, uh, Byron Murphy. Jeez, the name almost escaped me. Byron Murphy, I've been told, is a player that even after the testing, the Broncos like. So... Do they like him enough to take him at pick ten? I've never seen. I haven't seen him mock that high, at least not in a recent mock. So that's probably more of a if you can trade down and your because your quarterback is gone, you trade back a little bit and maybe take Byron Murphy later in the draft. Now, here's one from Drew Hollenback. If not a quarterback, I'd want Devin White. Quinn and Williams would be nice to have, but you got to take the best player you can. I'd I'd take Ed Oliver or DK Metcalf. If they're still on the board at 10, it would be idiotic to pass them up. Now, maybe I'm being idiotic here, Zach. You tell me. But after taking Cortland Sutton in round two and having just a a pretty young and explosive and and versatile wide receiver core and technically still with Emmanuel Sanders under contract and not having an elite quarterback to distribute the ball, I don't need DK Metcalf at pick 10 when I could probably get another blue blue chip guy who can make a 
bigger impact at that point in time and be a better value at pick 10. Plus you have Tim Patrick. Plus you have River Craycraft. Plus you have Brendan Langley, who apparently converted to uh, wide receiver from cornerback. I mean, they're good on wide receiver. They don't need a first-round guy as good as uh, Metcalf can be. And he, to me, has some bust potential. Uh, that scares me. He's almost too good to be true with his uh, frame and his speed. But it's interesting he mentions Quinn Williams because the draft always has that one guy who's, who falls. Last year it was Bradley Chubb. And if Williams falls to the Broncos at 10, with Bill Kalar and Vic Fangio, and they have a need there with Wolf getting older, that could be a dark horse pick there. But I'm holding firm. If it's not a quarterback, it's got to be a guy like Devin White or DeAndre Baker. Those are the biggest three needs on the Broncos. And that kind of ties into the next question here from Jedi Joshua 58 great listener of the show. Yep. Uh, Huddle Up Pod, you think we take White if he's there at pick 10? I'd be okay with that. Maybe Stidham in the third in that scenario. But I have a sneaking feeling we may draft a quarterback later, like Tyree Jackson, Brett Rippon, or maybe even Will Greer late-ish. Also, you guys did an outstanding work. Super proud of you guys. I brag on the whole crew. Much obliged, brother. Thank Appreciate you. you. Um, I think here, here's what I'll say. You answer this the way you want to. As If Drew Locke is there at pick 10 and Devin White is there at pick 10, which I don't foresee both of them being there, but if they're both there at pick 10, I want the Denver Broncos to take Drew Locke. Now, if Drew Locke's gone and White's on the board, you got to take take White. But there is a chance, there is a chance, Zach, that Ed Oliver might slip to 10. I mean, yeah, all things being equal, if it's a franchise quarterback or a really good inside linebacker, you got to take the quarterback. And as long as Locke doesn't blow it in interviews, I think he would be the guy at 10. But if he's off the board, uh, it, it to me, Devin White, it all depends on what the Broncos do. It's so hard to answer this question before free agency. If they sign C.J. Mosley, they're not going to draft Devin White. They're going to go on to another player. It all depends on how they fill those needs. But if they don't and locks off the board, White is for sure my guy. Yeah. And for what it's worth, everything I heard was that NFL teams have been really impressed with Drew Locke in person. So their meetings with him, testing his football IQ, his work on the whiteboard, and then just his personality, he's connected with a lot of teams. So the Broncos aren't going to be the only team in on Drew Locke. Uh, he's, he is a very magnetic and engaging person in person, as I talked about on the podcast last week. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see, but there's still a lot left in the, the pre-draft process. Right, Zach? You got pro days. You got the 30 allotted team visits. Yep. There's still a few more dots left to connect until we can really, with any degree of accuracy, which is still a crapshoot, try and forecast what's going to happen in the top 10. Yeah, and let me add a caveat to this. If they don't take a quarterback in the first round, they have to take one within by the third round. They can't wait until the fifth, sixth round to get a developmental guy and go into the season with him and Joe Flacco and no one else. So if they go Devin White great in the first round, I love the guy. He'd be a great player on defense. But I would even consider trading back up into the first round. You know, I, I would consider mm-hmm. moving up. You know, yeah. I would they they gotta prioritize it. So if they don't go QB, I'm with you, Chad. I, I'm a Drew Lock guy. They gotta prioritize that position for sure. If he's not there, and they go a player like Devin White, they gotta get a quarterback on the roster. Though they got they can't wait. They have to do it in the second round or the third round. I'm even okay with Daniel Jones in the second round. I wouldn't be okay with Daniel Jones in the first round. But if the Broncos missed out on Lock and took a Devin White or an Ed Oliver. Or just a spitball, a you know DeAndre Baker or Byron Murphy at pick ten, and took Daniel Jones because he was still there or he fell in the second round. I'd be okay with that. I could live with Same. that because there's he's a good scheme fit. And honestly, I like the 
potential of any young quarterback coming in and working with Scangarello and in this offense. So last question, and then we're out of here from Ronald Newman. He says, love the work you guys do with the podcast. Do you think John Elway has his big board set, or is he waiting for free agency? Absolutely, he's got to wait till free agency. He has to wait for that, and his big board won't be set until he's on the clock. I mean, last year he he had he admitted he had no simulations. The Broncos ran thousands of mock drafts. Not one of them showed Bradley Chubb being available number five. So his big board is not set until he's on the clock. But yeah, free agency comes first. Even Elway admitted he wants to let that play out before they address cornerback Chris Harris Jr. All those things. So that's that's going to come first, and after that, then he'll start putting the the, the rough draft together. But the yeah. final copy won't come until April twenty fifth. You got it. But that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast, you guys. Building the Broncos will be back on Wednesday with a great episode, so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. Do your part to help vault the show by leaving a creative five-star review on iTunes. Make sure you follow my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter as well, at Kelberman247, myself, at Chad and Jensen. We'll be back here with another episode for you on Thursday. In the meantime, be good. For Zach, I'm Chad. Talk to you soon.